0: Good evening. Good evening, Pastor. Praise the Lord. You get to come in and eat of God's Word during the week. You know, you would think that we are in the building now and that everything is just running smoothly, but boy, there's still so many things left to do. Um, And it seems like Craig and... Tim has been doing a lot of it um you know if if you ever are sitting at home and thinking oh let me just flip through the channels you might want to consider calling me I'll put you to work (laughs) there's things so so much to do and so but we're grateful you know there's an end to it uh hopefully sooner than later um but things are coming along uh Craig is working on that little room right there for uh the youth and uh What is it? The toddler room that is, uh, it's, it's, you know, wallpapers are down and it's painted. Just a couple of things left to do. We're going to be working on the women's lounge tomorrow, uh, putting in some tiles. So things are coming along. But again, keep in mind, it's still more work. And so uh, that's my appeal to you. We need help (laughs) if you can make it. Um, Tonight, we are in Psalm 37. We're going to make our way all the way through 41 and finish off this first section of the book of Psalms. So we're in 37, we'll make our way through 30 through 41. So it's a lot to cover, so I'll just go ahead and begin in a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you, Lord, giving you thanks and praising you because you're good, and you love us, you care for us. And Lord, you allow us, Lord, to come and sit, sit at your feet and just be able to listen to your voice. And as you speak to us and correct us and train us, Lord, comfort us, Lord, we need those things. Because as we go through this, this life, Lord, there's so many things that comes at us. So Lord, we need to hear from you. Encourage us now, Lord, by your word. We ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 37, Amen. She said, "Preacher brother, Psalm 37 is has been one of those psalms that have become my favorite psalm. Uh, psalm 37. For a while, I hanged on to Psalm 73, and they kind of go hand in hand. But these first several verses, oh, I just love reading them, and the last verse of this chapter." But uh, it starts off as, of course, a psalm of David. I'm titling this psalm, Finding Reasons to Continue Doing Good. And uh, he starts off, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. If you pause right there, David starts off, do not fret. Do not uh, be angry of people who are doing evil, or don't be jealous of them. Sometimes we can look at, those who are doing evil and it seems like they're prospering and, and everything is going good for them. And those who, um, you know, are evildoers, you know, sometimes we as believers, we can spend so much time being angry at the world. Um, you know, angry at, at, at Hollywood, angry at the government, angry at what's going on in the church. And by complaining... What is our complaining doing? Is it helping? Is it accomplishing anything? Or is it just wasting energy? And I think that's what we often would do. Waste energy, complaining, oh, look at them. And why are they? But what is it doing? How is it profiting anyone? You know, worrying is one of those things where Jesus said that by worrying, it doesn't add a day to your life. And complaining about what's wrong in the world, it doesn't change it. And so David will tell us, don't fret. Don't be angry. Don't get all puffed up and upset. He says in verse 2, For they shall be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Do, Do we know and do we understand that the wicked, one day, they will stand before God and that he will judge them? And, and so we don't have to go around worrying about what they're doing. God has said, I'm taking care of them. I will take care of them in my time. And so instead of complaining and arguing, and hey, well, here's what God would like us to do. In verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You see, we are to use our energy instead of complaining and being angry, just burden ourselves for no reason. Man, trust in the Lord and do good. Use your energy to, to be a change, to be the change that you would like to see in the world. And of course, the best change that we can uh, do is is preach the gospel, share Christ with people. And the people that we, we're complaining about, well, you'd be surprised that if God gets a hold of their lives, well, they're not going to do the evil. They're not going to do the things that you don't like. And so instead of just... Flipping through the channels, oh, look at them. <laughs> Do good. You know, um, I love this phrase. He said, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You say, oh, Lord, you know, uh, if the problem is too big. Look at history. When, when, when we have those great awakenings, did not God change the entire world <laughs> When Jesus walked the earth, did he not change the world that he he lived in with just a handful of guys? Feed on his faithfulness. He says in verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, when I was in the world, when I was a part of the world, when I enjoyed the things of this world, you know, going to parties and clubs and, you know, drinking Heineken. Uh, uh, I loved, you know, cars, and especially the one that goes boom, you know, with the rims. Thomas, you may be able to relate 30s and votes or trues and votes, you know. He he knows what I'm talking about, yeah. (laughs) But when I used to live in the world, that's what I lived for. But then something happened. I remember... I started listening to Christian radio. That was after I became born again. And the Lord had me fast from just music for just one week. And after that one week, I couldn't go back. And I remember giving Gigi that challenge. I said, hey, you know, you might want to check out this Christian. Oh, I can't miss my morning shows, you know, my morning radio shows." And so she, she decided, okay, well, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. But she was doing it, I think, just to say, I'm going to prove that I ain't, you know. But she tried it. For one week, and listen, she couldn't go back. Why? Because the Lord changed her heart. When she once had the, a desire for the things of the world, when I had a desire to, the, the desire for the things of the world, the Lord started giving us his desires, his heart's desires. And so we couldn't go back. And now when we look back, when we even hear those music from, from what we listened to in the past... Oh, I don't want to even hear it. I don't want to want even to enter my mind. Why? Listen, God gave us the desires of his heart, the heart to do good, to serve him. So the things of this world, it, it doesn't appeal to me. And so, you know, oftentimes we think, well, if I just tell God this is my desires, then he's going to give it to me. No, no, no. It's, it's Lord, put your desires in my heart. That is should be our prayer, Lord. I want what you desire, and when we de- simply delight ourselves, when we, when, you know, for Jesus and I was we'll just delighting ourselves in the Word of God and in Christian music, and 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 just by doing that, delighting ourselves in the Lord, then He took away those things that well that really profited us nothing. He says in verse seven, "Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him." who prospers in his ways because of the men who bring wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You see, if you're going to commit your ways to the Lord, you're going to have to learn to rest in the Lord or trust him. You know, years ago, I heard the phrase, it takes faith to rest. And how that just spoke so true to me and, and, and just ministered to me. It, it takes faith to rest. And resting in the Lord is saying, Lord, I trust that you're going to take care of this matter. I trust that you're going to change my my spouse. I, I trust that you're going to, uh, you know, get me that promotion if, you, if it's your will at, at work. I, I trust that you're going to make everything work out in your perfect timing. And so therefore I'm going to rest. And a lot of times we're running around and we're, All upset and and worrying about things because why? Well, we want to try to make things work out. We're, We're trying to fix things. But if we're gonna say, God, you're the God of the universe. You have all things in your hand, you know how to control it. You're in control. So matter of fact, Lord, I'm going to rest. And if so, if we can just grasp that, and even though I learned it so long ago, I'm still trying to grasp that concept, resting in the Lord. And you will see throughout the Psalms, David keeps coming back to that. He says in verse 9, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, here it goes again, they shall inherit the earth. How many have have, have accepted a wrong job because they didn't wait on the Lord? Or some will say, I married a wrong person because I didn't wait on the Lord. Or I, I bought a car and it's a clunker or I I bought a house, and man, it's, it's, it's just out of my budget. Why? Because we simply didn't wait on the Lord. There's such wisdom in waiting. He says in verse 10, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But a meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek is someone who has the power to act, but instead chooses to allow God to act, to allow God to work. And the result, as David will say, you will enjoy peace. When God does his work and you watch him do his thing, man, you, you get to enjoy it. You, you just sit back and, and enjoy it. I remember when uh, in my own, you know, Internet business, I, I saw an opportunity to do some advertising and it was going to cost about three hundred dollars. And after I spent the three hundred dollars, I got out of that maybe zero dollars back in return. <laughs> and I was wondering, I said, Lord, what a, am, am I supposed to run this business or am I supposed to just trust you? I could be enjoying this $300, but I wasted it. Why? Because I didn't wait on the Lord. And one of the things that the Lord has showed me from the the very, what, 13 years ago when I started my own business is that the Lord showed me that this is my business. And all of my efforts, every time I advertised, every time I did whatever I did, whatever scheme, whatever gimmick I tried to come up with, it produced nothing. And as soon as I finished losing whatever amount of money, then the Lord will bring someone out of the blue. Here's a new customer. Oh, thank you, Lord. I had nothing to do with my efforts. The Lord wanted me to depend upon him. The Lord wants us to depend upon him, wait on him and watch him. And again, the results, you will enjoy peace because you don't have to worry about how it's going to work out knowing that God will work it out. He says in uh, verse twelve again, the wicked plots against the just and the, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. I, I just find it. This just seems so unlike God, you know. <laughs> Look at them with their efforts. I just, I just don't see God doing it. But you know, in a couple of places, it mentions that the Lord laughs at them. The wicked in verse fourteen. Well, he sees, excuse me, 13, he laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn a sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are upright uh, of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. See, don't be surprised when wicked people... Uh, will do wicked things. You know, that's, that's their nature. Uh, that's what they know. Uh, this, this is what they do, you know. But again, it's a laughable matter to God because they, they just think that they're more powerful than him. All of the efforts of man that they're trying to just wipe God off of the face of the earth, you know, remove him from, from society. God is laughing because in the end, who's going to pay? They will. He says in verse 16, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. The little that a right, righteous man have. How much do you have? Is it $5? That's all, that's all you have in your name? Well, if you have $5 and you have the Lord, it's better than the riches and being, you know, uh, not knowing the Lord. I remember going to one of those multi-marketing Meetings and one of the things that the guy said, he said, God don't want uh, you to be poor. He can't use poor people. I said, this is time for that I exit stage right. <laughs> I think the Lord delights using poor people. Not that he don't use rich people, but I, I, I think the, the Lord delights in taking the little that we have, and multiplies it. Just that you think about that little boy with the, his lunch. Lord say that's all you have? That's all I need. And when he uses the little, then people say, wow, God is awesome. You see, if, 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 if we have an abundance, then we, we don't give God any credit. But how good it is, if you just say, you know what, Lord, this is all I have, But I have you, so I have all I need. And it seemed like the Lord has just kept Gigi and I in a place where we're just so dependent upon him. You know, we we are truly dependent upon him. where We don't have an abundance, but man, we have enough. And the Lord had been taking care of us. You know, sometimes I wish I would be rich, but I am rich. I am rich. I am the son of a king. See, it's all about perspective. I think about the prodigal son. He had all, he had an abundance, he had a flow. He was with his father, but the moment that he cut himself off, listen, that flow stopped. Yes, he had a lot of money, but that flow stopped. Listen, I am connected to the flow. We are connected to Christ. And so I believe the secret of what the scripture is teaching us is to be content in the Lord. Be content with what he has given you. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the day of the righteous, and their inheritance shall be forever. Their inheritance shall be forever. When the prodigal son again left, his inheritance was cut. But you and I, since we're connected to the Lord, since we're connected to Christ, our inheritance, it's, it goes on into eternity. He says in verse 19 they shall be they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish into the smoke they shall vanish away the wicked borrows and does not repay but the righteous shows mercy and gives Now, a very interesting verse in verse 21, I learned this verse some years ago when we were taking a financial class, but the wicked borrows and do not pay. When when we take out a loan, uh, we should make sure, make a commitment that I'm going to repay this loan. Um, You know, borrowing and not repaying is a wicked thing as the Lord is, is, is saying to us. You know, someone recently shared with me that, that uh, they had a friend that ran up their credit cards, thousands and thousands of dollars, knowing that they were going to file for bankruptcy. It's, it's a wicked thing because someone is paying for it. And again, when we think that we're getting away with it, listen, the Lord holds us to it. He said it's better uh, not to vow than to vow. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're going to do something, if you're going to make a commitment, keep your commitment. And even as I shared before, when, when the house and market crashed, oh, I was so tempted to throw in the towel, to walk away, but I'm glad I didn't. I, I kept my word, and and I think that's what the Lord will have us do. So he says in verse 22, for those uh, blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but Those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordained by the Lord and he delights in his ways. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hands. So delight yourself in the Lord and do whatever is is in your heart. Do whatever is in your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you can do whatever because most likely it's going to align with what the Lord wants you to do. But here's a promise, even as it, it says here, that basically, if you make a wrong turn, that God is able to bring you back to the right path. You know, we don't have to walk around really in a, a, a fearful place where maybe I'll mess up. Maybe, I, you know, if you love the Lord, if you delight in yourself in him, yes, you might mess up. Matter of fact, you will mess up. But God is faithful and he'll bring you right back. On the path, if you have an open heart, he will, because he is faithful to do that. Verse 25 I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor has descendants begging bread. No, his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Now, when you read this verse, first thing that comes to your mind is you start searching. Did I ever see the righteous forsaken? Did I ever see them begging for bread? Well, Lord, what about them? And what about, I thought I saw, and the first thing that crosses your mind is that you have seen. Well, no, 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 no. Listen, the righteous, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 35. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see, the righteousness that the Lord gives us, we will never hunger for it if we are in the Lord. Yes, we may be hungry for bread, physical bread for the body, but spiritually, well, I don't have to wake up tomorrow thinking, I need more righteousness to enter into heaven. Oh, where will I go and beg for it? No, I don't have to beg. God gave it to me freely. See, Jesus is the bread of life. When Jesus said, uh, uh, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, you know, give us this day our daily bread. You, you think that bread that he's talking about, but if you follow in that same chapter, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Why are you praying for that? See, it's not the physical the Lord is concerned about. It's the spiritual. And he gives us this bread of life. He is the bread of life. And I don't have to worry about righteousness I don't have to go begging for it that he has given it to me freely. Verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore for the Lord loved justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall not shall inherit the land, excuse me, and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hands, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, there it is again, and keep his ways, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great great power and uh, spread in himself like a native green tree, yet he passes away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. And he says in verse 27, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. And I love the way David puts verse 37. He says, mark that, right, that blameless man. If you see a, a guy or a gal who loved the Lord and is living for them, mark them. Pay attention to them because you're going to see something different from their lives. And, and it's not just to mark them and say, oh, yeah, that's a Christian. But watch their lives and learn from them. You know, one of the persons that I look up to is Victor. You know, I I watch his life. Yes, he's busy and he's doing, but that guy loves the Lord. And so I'm learning from him. I'm learning, uh, you know, different things from him. Mark those people that surround you and take note, live like they live. And as he says again, for their future is peace. You want peace in your life? Man, pay attention to those who love the Lord. He says in verse 38, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. I thought I would have been finished with this 20 minutes ago, but we will go right on into the next chapter. <laughs> psalm 38, entitled in this one, Finding Time to Pray in Times of Suffering. Finding Time to Pray in Times of Suffering. A psalm of David to bring to remembrance. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hands press me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. With this psalm, some people they suggest that David was suffering from a disease brought on by his own sin. His disease, as you can see, it, he says it's it's overwhelming, it has become too heavy for for me. He says in verse 5, My wounds are foul and festering because of my my foolishness. He said, My my sin, my my sickness, it, it stinks. It smells. He says in verse 6, I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. What is David suffering from? Listen, some believe that it's a STD. And if you know David, well, he have a problem. And his problem, well, he loved women. And so there's a chance that this disease, as he says, my loins are inflamed and he's suffering because of it. When you look at what David is going through, some ways suggest and say, well, it's a bad thing that he caught the disease. Is it really bad? Is it really bad that he's suffering from this if, in fact, is God's hands upon him hoping that he will repent and turn? What good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? What good is it if he's a king and he's ruling and he's doing all kind of evil and he dies in his sin? Is it not better that the Lord will allow him to contract this disease? That he may think about his foolishness and turn? You know, sometimes we go around blaming the devil for everything that's wrong in our lives. But sometimes it's the Lord that says, I'll give you just a little taste of suffering to bring you back around. I love the fact that David is acknowledging it. He said, it's because of my foolishness. My foolishness. He says in verse 8, I am feeble and severely... Broken, I groan because of the turmoil in my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you and my sight is not hidden from you. My heart pants and uh, my strength fails me as the light of my eyes. It also has gone from me. When we see someone we like, uh, you know, uh, or, or some, you know, we, we have good news. We, our eyes open. I'll use Thomas for example. You know, last night, uh, Tracy called and said that she, you know, they're, they're getting the house sold. You know, just Sunday, you know, she said, we're going to pray about this. And, you know, we're going to get this house sold. And, and so they called us 11, 1030 last night. And, and I could just picture Thomas's face with a, a grin. You know, I, I can see it. And, and sure enough, when he walked in, you see his eyes is open and he's excited about what's, what's going on. His eyes are wide open. And, and David is saying, My eyes, as he says in verse 10, as, as for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. You see, I believe David, when David saw a beautiful woman, his eyes probably opened up. Ooh, my, another one from my harem, you know? His eyes open. He's right now saying, Lord, I'm not even attracted to them anymore because of this disease. I, I don't like it. My eyes have grown dim. I don't, I don't have that desire anymore. See, the Lord is taking care of his own. Sometimes it's a hard lesson to learn, but man, a lesson worth uh, that's worth learning. He says in verse 11, My loved ones and my friends stand aloft from me, excuse me, from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snare for me, Those who seek my hurt speaks of destruction and plan deception all day long. So David, even his family and his friends have turned uh, away from him. They can't even come around him. Man, you stink. Literally. His, his, His enemies, they were speaking evil of him. They wanted to take him down. He says in verse 13, but I, like a deaf man, do not hear. And I... Um, uh, and I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus, I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth is no response. What is David saying? People are speaking of me. They're talking about me, but guess what? I ain't hearing it and I'm not responding to it. In other words, I'm putting it in God's hands. Say whatever you want to say. And he says in verse 15, for in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear. Oh, Lord, my God. David, in his suffering, he found time to pray. Lord, I I commit myself to you. You know, it's such a, a blessing to know that even when we mess up, and some of us mess up majorly, that even in our deepest sin, God is there to hear He's there to hear, and not only hear, but to forgive. The scripture promises if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And how it breaks my heart when I see someone fall into sin, and you're trying to restore them, and instead of them coming back to the Lord, they're running away because of guilt or shame. Come back to the Lord. David is coming back to the Lord. He says in verse 16, For I said, hear me, Lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slip, they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. David was about to lose it. He was about to give in, to give up. The pain of anguish had become so unbearable, but he says in verse 18, For I will declare my iniquities, I will be in anguish over my sin, notice he again he's lord i i have acted foolishly but lord i have sinned again he did not blame anyone for his sin you know we have this this nature this human nature every time something happens we want to blame somebody it's kind of like the corporate mentality corp- corporate america you, you 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 know something happens something messes up and as soon as it happens someone wants to blame someone just Fix the problem. Let's just fix it. Why are we blaming someone? Fix it. Own the problem. All right, there's a problem. Let's fix it. David is is owning his problem. It's me, Lord. He says in verse 19, but my enemies are vigorous and they are strong and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. David, prayer, and he ends with this. He said, Lord, I know you're disciplining me, but can you make it quick? (laughs) I don't want it to be long, Lord. Lord. And there's nothing wrong with asking, Lord, I, I'm learning my lesson. Just Let's get it over with, you know. Let's move on. And what a, a good way to pray. Um, going on, Psalm 39. Finding strength to keep your mouth shut. To the chief musician, to, to Jedet- Jedetun, to a Psalm of David. I said, "I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will strain my mouth with a muzzle, while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I hid my peace. I, excuse me. I held my peace from, from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me, while I was with uh, was uh, musing, the fire burning." Then I spoke with my tongue. Pause right there. Listen, one of the hardest things for us to do is restrain our mouth. When, when, when trouble come, when people are doing things or saying things, that, and you, especially if it's unfair or untrue, it's not true. Man, you just want to give them a piece of your mouth, you know, you want to give it to them. And David was being accused falsely again, as he, so many times he has been. And as he said, he got hot, man. He was burning up. He wanted to say something, but David refused to answer them. He, he, he put a muzzle on his mouth, and, and he did not say anything. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, and we're not going to struggle. We, we, we are still in this body. It's, it's flesh. You remember a couple weeks ago I said, I almost gave someone the bird, you know? The guy behind me just blowing his horn, and I, I don't know what came over me. Yeah, I know. It's sin. <laughs> it's sin. And I did everything in my power to hold it back. I, I, this, this one is this, this one. <laughs> <laughs> David said, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to join in. The Bible says to be angry, but what? Do not sin. We got to control it. David did not confront his enemy. He took the problem to who? To God. He says in verse 4, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as as hand as hand breadth and my age is as nothing before you certainly every man at his best stage is but a vapor Selah. before david points the fingers at the weakness of his enemies or the wickedness of his enemies david prayer his prayer is that lord you show me my own weakness Look, search me o oh lord Look, remind me who i am and you see Sometimes we can be, because of someone do us something, we, we can be wrong too. And we can be wrong and strong, you know, very hard-headed. We, we, we just think that we just, you know, are so right. But David did not go there. He said, Lord, show me who I am. And, and he, you know, he basically said, if, if I live to be 100, what is that to you, Lord? That is but a vapor you know, life is so short, really, it's so short. He, he likens it as the, the breadth of, you know, the breadth of your hands, you know, the, the width of your hands. He said, this is how big, m- long my life is. He said that at my best, at anyone's best day, is nothing to the Lord. You know, you can be, a, a, you know, the brightest person, and what is that to the Lord, Our life is but a vapor. You know, during winter time, when, when you go outside and you, whew, and you see that vapor come out, how, as soon as it comes out, it just fades away. That's life. And I think we, we sometimes can, can just not even think about how short life is. And for some of us, it doesn't mean that we're going to live till 100. Some of us, well, I remember my, my roommate, he died at 33. His midlife... Well, think about what midlife was for him. Life is but a vapor. Life is not promised to us. He says in verse 6, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they, uh, they, they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. I think, and this is probably just my opinion, so you can throw stones at me. But I think our riches here in America have become a curse for us. I was watching as I was in the waiting room in the hospital this morning. Um, The TV was right above my head and I was watching, you know, the local station and they were saying, here are the wonderful gifts that you can buy for Christmas. You know, if you have a, a cell phone and you're taking pictures, you might want to consider buying a real, phone, a real camera because, man, you want to get that special shot for the holidays. And they, they talked about all these different gadgets and all the different things that you need to buy. And guess what? We go out and buy it. And we run up credit cards to buy it. And then we have to go work extra hours to pay off the credit cards. And all of it is for what? What? Because it's the next greatest and latest and greatest things. And all those things become a burden. And when we die, what do they do with those things? They burn them. You ever watch that nice new Corvette? Oh, it looks so good. But in a couple of years, it's going to be on the back of one of those trucks that's smushed together. You ever seen them? And someone will say, yeah, I had that car, that old stupid car. But how we were so passionate and we're so happy for those things. And you compare that, compare us to those that are in countries that we call third world countries. And they have nothing. Their houses, their their floors are made of dirt and they sweep it and it's cleaner than our house, some of them. (laughs) But you know what they have on their face? A smile. And you know what we have on our our face? A frown. A frown. Oh, got to get up, got to go work, got to, I got to, you know, Jesus talked about that man who was very successful at his business. He planted his crops and he brought in a whole heap of crops and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build me some bigger barns to store all of my crops. And he was rolling in the dough, man. And he said, self Man, he starts speaking to himself. (laughs) This is what I'm gonna do, self. Jesus said, You fool. You don't realize that this very night your life will be required of you. We don't know when we're going. And sometimes we can spend so much time heaping up riches. And at the end of our lives, again, What are they going to do with all that you thought was so valuable? They put it in a garage sale or they put it on the side of the road. Yeah, it was was important to him, but I don't see any value in it. How vain it is for us to store up riches. You know, Jesus, in his word, he said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Be rich towards the things of God. None of those things we can take with us, but listen, we can send some of it ahead. And how do we do that? Invest in people's life. That's the only thing we can take to heaven with us. You know, uh, uh, Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he said, you are my crowns and the the jewels in my crowns. Basically, man, he preached the gospel. He said, I know where I'll see you in heaven. He said, I will be rich in heaven. You will be my riches. What a wonderful thing! Verse seven. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in You. Deliver me from my, all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the, of the fool, of the foolish. Um, verse nine. I was mute; I did not open my mouth because it was You who did it. Remove Your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of Your hand. When with rebuke you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like moth. Like a moth. Uh, surely every man is a vapor, Selah. So David said, I kept my mouth closed because I recognize it is, it is uh, your permissive will for him to suffer, for his enemies to come against him. It's, the Lord allowed it. So I'm not going to complain, David is saying. Then he, he, you know, he then prayed, but now can you take away the rebuke from me? Again, he's asking for that quick, you know, please, Lord, deliver me. So he says in verse 12, Hear my prayers, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and I'm no more. You know, David's saying, you know, Lord, it it is hard. I'm going through and I recognize that this life is short. And I would love for you to regain, you know, take away this from me so I can regain my strength because why? Well, life here is short. And I want to live my life to serve you on this side of heaven. You know, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves every now and then is, what if my life will end tomorrow? How will I live today? What if I only have five years left? What if I only have 10 years left? How will I live my life? I think we will live our lives differently. But again, we just think we have all eternity on this side of heaven. We don't. Life Tomorrow is not promised. So let's make the most out of this day serving the Lord. Chapter 40, finding faith to wait. Finding faith to wait. Waiting upon the Lord again. Here it is. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I wait patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and here's hears my cry. You know, waiting, standing still, is more difficult than walking. <laughs> when God says to wait... It means that he's working, and that's what sometimes we don't realize. He's working. He, he may be working on building our trust on him. He may be uh, building a wall to protect us, if you think about it. If you're moving around, he can't protect you. Stand still. Let me build a wall around you, a hedge. Sometimes he might be uh, operating on you stay still you know when hannah got something in her eyes and and you know you're trying to get it out she's stay still you know let me get it out some of you have arrows that the enemy has has shoot at you and and the lord is doing an operation or you might have a a, a, a knife in your back that your enemy have 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 stabbed you with and he's saying stay still so i can take it out no lord i gotta move Ooh. no stand still be still and he said, he hears my cries and he comes to rescue. See, the Lord comes to rescue us when we cry. But we need to be still. He says in verse 2, he also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to, the, to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. See, God heard David cry for help, and, and he took him out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and established his feet on a rock. Uh, he gave him a new song. You know, when you're building a house, uh, you don't just build a house, you do, you do what? You, you, you prepare the foundation. And if you ever seen them build a house around here, you know that they they level the ground and make sure it's level and they pack it down so that it's solid. So when they start building on it, well, if you build on a a foundation that is not solid, what you're going to see is cracks on the wall. And if your life is not on a solid foundation, your life will be all cracked up. And so what the Lord will do, he will Sometimes put that pressure on us so that we can have a solid foundation, but we don't like it. We don't like the pressure. We don't like the grading out. We want to move, but if you move too early, if that foundation is not settled, you're not gonna enjoy uh, peace down and down the road. So, verse four: Blesses the man who makes the Lord his trust, and does not respo- respect the proud nor. Uh, such as turn aside to lie. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. You know, when my wife goes away on a retreat or wherever she decides to leave me with the kids you her, her body is away you know where her heart is at home and she's not thinking about me she's thinking about the kids she's thinking how are they doing did they eat is alan giving them a shower you know, she's thinking about everything. Matter of fact, when she leaves, everything is taken care of because, man, she have Sundays clothes, Mondays clothes, and she have everything. This is dinner for Monday. Everything is taken care of. Her heart and her thoughts are on her kids, and so is our father towards us. And and as much as my wife and some of you women know what what I'm talking about, as much as you think about your kids, you can't compare that with the, the thoughts that the Lord have for us. As David said, man, it's so much, can't even number them. You can't recall them in order. He says in verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. God is not looking for sacrifice. We know David said that in Psalm 51 as well. God is not looking for, desi- uh, for sacrifice, He's looking for, uh, for obedience. He wants us to be obedient to Him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And so um, He says in verse n- 9, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. Uh, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your love and kindness and your truth from the great assembly. What does that man David said, I'm going to tell of God's goodness of his faithfulness. I'm not going to restrain. I'm not going to hold back. You know, Tracy came and she ran around this room. Why? She was proclaiming, my house is sold. God is faithful. Praise the Lord. We need to tell people of, of his goodness. Verse 11, and do not withhold your tender mercy from me, O Lord. Let your love and kindness and your truth continually preserve me. So God's love and kindness and his truth preserves us. It, it goes hand in hand. Some of us want to be, you know, tell the truth, but you don't tell it in love. Some of you, you want to love people, but you don't want to tell them the truth. God will do it, and he does it. Well, you see, when he, when, when I follow God's truth, it's because I know he loves me. Verse 12, for... Um, innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. See, on the cross, Jesus died from a massive ha- heart attack. He, 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 yes, he suffered, but man, it was a heart attack. It was a, he, was, he had a, a broken heart. When you look at Jesus on the cross, evil surrounded him. Uh, you know, our sins will lay upon him. Uh, God had forsaken him. It was too unbearable for him. And so he died from a broken heart. And if you're going through a difficult time in life, understand we have a God who understands what we're going through. And um, he can sympathize with us. Verse 13, be patient, O Lord, be to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and 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 brought to my to excuse me, to mutual confusion, who seek to destroy my life, let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor, who wished uh, who wish me evil, let them be confused because of their shame, who says to me, "Aha, remember that? Let all those who seek my seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love, your salvation, say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay my God. That should be our prayer. Lord, do not delay. Uh, I am... Suffering, I, I, I need your help, I need your salvation, do not delay. I have one more psalm, should I go for it? You all okay? All right, let's do it. Psalm 41, finding a blessing in your suffering. Find out a blessing in your suffering. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Verse 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will, bless, he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him. In his bed of illness, you will sustain him on his sickbed. So the Lord is opening here with a promise, really, in uh, verse 1. When you bless the poor, the Lord will bless you in your time of need. You know, when when, when you, you reach out to those who, are, who, who have need and you bless them, there's gonna be a blessing attached to that. And and even as he said, even when you're sick, uh, you know, on your sick bed, well, I you know, um, Brian is a, a good example of how here he is in the hospital, and you, you won't you won't know that Brian is sick. And I think it's because of their given hearts, you know. And um I, I even think about my mom. My mom used to go to the to the doctors and and she will be a blessing to everyone in the doctor's office because everyone else came in grumpy and complaining. But, but it's the heart that, that is a given. And because of that, the Lord blesses and strengthens, as David would say. And he says in verse 4, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Here it is again, David <clears throat> owning his sin. You know, when trouble or illness comes upon us, it is wise for us to cry out for for God's mercy, but also to confess our sin. I, I don't know if David really have sinned here, but he was just saying, "Lord, I just want to do a a, a check here. you know I, I want to make sure that there is no sin that's going to cause this this illness or this 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 time to prolong any longer. So he says in verse five, "My enemies speak evil of me when uh, when will he die?" And his name perish. And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart uh, gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hates me whispers together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, cling to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more Even my own family and friends in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. So his enemies, his family is turning against him and saying, well, you know what? It's because of his sin. That's why he's there. And he's going to die. You know, in in John chapter 9, some of Jesus' disciples, you know, they they saw a guy and they said, Lord, who sinned? Is it? him or is is his, his parents and Jesus said this he said um, you know neither the man or his parents sin but that the works of God should be revealed in him you know everything is not attached to sin but sometimes God will allow illness because he wants to show his work he wants to show his power you know He says in verse 10, but you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemies does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in your integrity and set before me your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for uh, for everlasting from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. And amen. So, this section of the book is closed with amen and amen. Uh, Of course, the next section is going to be, um, you know, finding a new relationship. Um, But David closes this section. But, um, well, let's pray. Father, as we have gone through these sections of of uh, these psalms, and just see, Lord, David crying out, Lord, we see that he is a man that was under a lot of pressure. Uh, we see sickness, Lord, which some of us can relate to. That we see uh, the relationships that that he has suffered uh, loss in, and, and Lord, we some of us can relate to that, Lord. Lord, we see all the things that he have gone through, and and David is a man just like us. And so, Lord, as David cries out to you, Lord, in our times of trial, in our, our, our times of trouble, Lord, help us to call out to you. Help us to cry out to you, Lord, knowing that as you answered David, as you showed up in his life, Lord, you will do the same for us. So, Lord, I thank you that you encourage us by your word. I thank you that you will just speak to us and minister to us, Lord. And some of this, what we're eating of right now, Lord, it may not even apply to us now, but, Lord, we know that it will be bread for tomorrow. So thank you for even taking care of our tomorrow. So, Father, we sing hallelujah to you. We thank you for your faithfulness, and I pray that you watch over us and keep us, Lord, as we go our separate ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.